from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Hi, Newt's World Podcast listeners. Gianno Caldwell here. I'm part of the Gingrich 360 Podcast Network. Newt is out this week working on finishing his new book, Beyond Biden, Rebuilding the America We Love. So he's asked me to take this opportunity to fill in for him by introducing one of my recent episodes from my podcast, Out Loud with Gianno Caldwell. New episodes of Out Loud with Gianno Caldwell are available every Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's Out Loud with Gianno Caldwell, the women of the Bible with Shannon Breen. People who don't read scripture often assume women play little to no role in the Bible. In fact, some critics even claim the Bible's outright sexist. Today, we learn the truth with the one and only Shannon Breen. Welcome back to Outlaw with Gianno Caldwell. I'm Gianno Caldwell, and I'm so excited for this week's show. My guest is someone who I'm a big fan of, and I'm sure you've seen on TV. Fox News Channel, Shannon Breen. Shannon has been a pillar at Fox News for years, and she currently works as an anchor and the network's chief legal correspondent. Shannon is also a New York Times bestselling author, number one in that slot multiple times over for her latest book, The Women of the Bible Speak, The Wisdom of 16 Women and Their Lessons for Today. It rose to the New York Times bestseller list, number one over and over again. Such a good read. Today, I want to discuss Shannon's latest book and examine faith more broadly. I also ask her about the Supreme Court, relying on her former legal career and years of reporting on the nation's highest court. 
Plus, we discuss family and get a bit into Shannon's personal life. With that, I want to welcome Shannon Breen to the show. Thank you so much for coming on Out Loud with Gianna Caldwell. Gianna, it is my honor. I've been just so blown away watching you over the years and just um, all the amazing things that you're doing. And I'm always cheering for you. And so interesting to note, you were the first person I've ever met who worked at Fox News Channel. I think it was the... Uh, the Hills uh, most beautiful event and you you received the honor that year <laughs> and I was able to say hello I'm I'm interested in doing television I think I was doing TV at that point I think it was more on CNN as a, as a guest mm-hmm. but it was so nice of you to give me your your email address and correspond with me and here we are now colleagues at the same network I love it. And that's such a cheeseball Washington thing that we would be at a party for the Hills most beautiful people. <laughs> but, but I love it. I'm glad that that was an opportunity to meet you, if nothing else. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I want to get into something that I think um, has certainly woken people up to women in the Bible today. I think um, especially in our day and age with the culture that we see, the culture wars, and you see a lot of folks that have been moving towards darkness, if I'm being honest with you. They're not necessarily utilizing the Bible as a tool to get through those very difficult times. In some cases, they're shunning the Bible and any religious teachings. And you came out with a bomb-selling book called Women of the Bible Speak, which New York Times best-selling author, number one best-selling author week after week, and that was earlier this year. And the the book is titled The Women of the Bible Speak, The Wisdom of the 16 Women and the Lessons for Today. So what made you decide to write this book? It's just it's it's such an interesting time for it. Yeah, it it actually Fox came to me because, you know, they were putting out their own book label book series, three different books. And they said, listen, we're thinking about doing something in this space with women and religion. We know you're very open about your faith. Is this something you'd be interested in? And I was like, man, what an opportunity. I was so excited. And we dove in and decided to put together these women in pairs. We kind of look at the parallels in their lives and the lessons we learned through them. And the more that I studied, because I grew up in the church and in faith and knowing these stories, I learned so, so much about these women. And I was writing this during last year, which was probably the worst year for just about anybody that they can remember with fear and anxiety and loss and, and pain and worry and financial trouble and just such a stew of terrible things. And it really was such a blessing to me, this book of being inspired, remembering these stories, reading the Bible in a deeper way and thinking, you know, God's working through things all the time, whether we can see it or not. And I saw that in these women's stories. And I'm just amazed that it's really connected with people. And I love that, that I think for some people, um, you know, the toughest times, like the year of the pandemic and of social unrest and, a, and of open wounds and of things that we've got to have tough conversations. I think all of those things made a lot of people more open to to talking about faith and to finding something bigger than ourselves that we can root in. And, you know, the book, they came to me, but it turned out to be such a blessing to me in writing it. Now, were you surprised how popular and successful it's been? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, when you write a book, you don't ever want to get expectations about what it's going to do. And for this, because it was this message that's so faith-based, you know, I just prayed over the book when it was being written and and getting ready. Um, You know, God just helped this to be an encouragement to people, help them to find you. If they're looking for you, if they know you, may they be encouraged and just inspired by these women to see that you have purpose in everything and that people great and small 
And, you know, in this book, I joke about it, but it's true. We've got a queen, we've got a murderer, we've got a prostitute. I mean, all of these different people, some women who made really bad decisions, but God redeemed it and he can use our messes. Uh, He can reach to us wherever we are. We don't have to be Queen Esther. We can be somebody who, you know, is no name, is just living our lives, is just trying to be faithful and he can work through all different circumstances. So, I I just came at the book from such a spiritual place that I wasn't thinking about how it would do or trying to tell myself, don't look at those worldly measures of this. So to see it do so well, yeah, very surprising. Yeah, absolutely. Now, let me ask you this. For our listeners, especially for those who may not be familiar with the work, can you explain for those who may not even be familiar with the Bible in and of itself, can you really give us the crooks of the book and and why it was so, so important today. I know you talked about the pandemic. I, I agree with that. But even beyond that, because the country's opening it up, uh, L.A. just opened up. I think it was yesterday, June, uh, June 15th. It just opened up. So you're seeing all across the country. And now people are kind of out of the pandemic in some respects. And now we need to really get those folks who might have said, you know, I'm out of this now. I don't need to think about faith. I don't need to think about God. I don't need to think about the Bible because my life is going back to how it used to be. This book is going to be important for years to come. Can you can you just uh, dig right in and, and, and talk to us, talk us through the book? Yeah. So what I love about the book is that the more I looked at these stories, I thought, gosh, they're timeless because these are women who deal with family squabbles and jealousy and fighting and infertility and widowhood and longing for something and praying for years and hoping for something to come true, chronic illnesses, financial ruin. I mean, these are all things that over time we're all going to experience in one way or another, or the people that we love or our families are going to walk through these valleys. So I was just struck by the fact that these stories across time translate to today. I mean, there's still very 2021 problems and beyond. Um, But like I said, to see how God worked, and sometimes these women waited years or decades, a lifetime to see his promises come true for them. I think we've all been in seasons of uncertainty or of waiting or of struggle, whether it's, you know, relational, financial, physical, spiritual, whatever it is. Those stories just give us encouragement, they challenge us, and they give us tools, I think, and point us in the right direction to say, you know, have faith, continue to seek God. He hears you. He hears your prayers. They don't have to be fancy. You don't have to be a theologian or have gone to seminary. I mean, sometimes it's the simplest things. There have been times in my life where I've been in a really dark place, and all I could say was, God, please help me. God, please help me. I mean, not not anything fancier than that or knowing every in and out of my faith or of doctrine, but just knowing that God is there and he's listening. Amen. Now, you know, I think uh, one of the first women of the Bible that everyone uh, seemingly talks about is uh, the story of Adam and Eve and the eating of the, the apple from the tree. Did you dig in there? You know what's so funny is we had to cull it down at some point because there were so many stories. Eve did not make the cut, sadly, but maybe there be women of the Bible speak too, and then we'll get Eve in there. <laughs> I mean, she is the mother of all humanity and all that we know and God's earliest you know, human creation, she and Adam. But we had this process of going through and saying, gosh, what do we include? What do we cut out? Because all of these stories are important and fascinating. We don't have to add anything to them, by the way. I mean, there's so many twists and turns and drama um, with each of these 
these stories that they're all kind of, you know, Hollywood movies in their own right. So we don't talk too much about Eve in in this um, study. She's not one of our deep dive studies in this particular book, but we do include a lot of the Old Testament, a lot of the New Testament. And honestly, there were so many women after we did the nine chapters pairing them together that I said, listen, or excuse me, eight chapters, I said, there are all these other women that we don't, some of them, we don't even know their names, but their stories are important. They're included in the Bible and they show the interaction with Christ and how he didn't judge. He accepted and loved them. He would, in whatever their circumstance, you know, say to them, go and sin no more. But he didn't ever berate or belittle them. I mean, he went to these women who were outcasts from society, who were not accepted by the religious elites or the elites of the day. And so he went to people where they were, modest, humble people that needed his help. And so we did a whole other chapter that we added on the end about Christ's interaction with another eight women. So it was really hard to cut. In the end, I ended up adding instead of cutting. But I think there are plenty more women there for hopefully more books down the line. We're talking to Fox News anchor Shannon Breen. We've got much more with her right after a quick break. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening. You did your study and your research, and for some people, the Bible can be confusing to them. You talk about the distinctions between the Greek and the Hebrew and how it was transliterated. Or as an example, at 2 Timothy 1 and 7, for God have not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. But yet it says you have to fear God and you know, I know from my study that the, that fear is reverence, respect versus be afraid of. How did you deal with those different translations to really pull out the true contextual meaning behind the words in the Bible as you, you did your study and research here? 
You know what helped me so much is that um, I had a basic familiarity with these stories and with these scriptures, but I had a couple of world-class theologians who actually have been to seminary and know the Greek and the Hebrew and all those things. A couple folks who work at a First Baptist Dallas and um, Pastor Jeffress is a Fox News contributor um, and our viewers and, and listeners will know him well. And I reached out to these folks in his church. He connected me with them because I would have these really deep questions, like you said, trying to get to the meanings behind the words or what were the customs of the day? What were women allowed to do, not to do? Why was this woman's circumstance unusual or was it common? Um, so honestly being able to lean on these super educated um, seminarians and to say to them, give me a fuller understanding here. Even though I knew these stories, they brought them to life in such a different way for me. And we'd talk through different translations. And sometimes we, we would say even the scholars don't agree on a particular point. So let's flesh out what we know. Let's not add or speculate, but, but let's say what experts have told us here about these women. And I think it leaves a lot of room for additional study. You know, every chapter we end with study questions. And I love that because when I read a book, I love study questions that then, you know, give you the, the task of, you know, digging into the scriptures more, um, praying that they will personally be more understandable, more enlightened for you. Um, and I like when people do it as a group too. I have a number of women who have said to me, we're doing this as a church Bible study. Cause I always feel like in conversation with other people studying the same scriptures, you're going to get different perspectives and different ideas. So I was very blessed to have those experts to lean on. And I hope it's just sort of a jumping off point for people that they'll be encouraged to do their own study as well. Mm, no, I love that. Now, out of all the women in the Bible you wrote about, from Queen Esther to Mary Magdalene, is there anyone you really identify with or found especially inspiring? You know, I've always loved this story about the woman in the, she's in several gospels, but we don't ever know her name. Um, when we meet her, she'd been suffering with an issue of bleeding is what we're talking about. Oh my about gosh, the issue of blood, the woman with yes. the issue of blood who touched I mean, um, Jesus' yes. rope. I love her story. It is so comforting and inspiring. Um, I, I just, she'd suffered for 12 years when we meet her. She has no money left because we're told she spent everything she had seeking a cure. The doctors and she grew worse. Right. Rather so, better grew worse. Exactly. The scriptures say. Exactly. So think about how despondent she must have been at that point. She's, she's penniless now. She has no cure. She's only getting physically worse. But she hears about Jesus, this guy who's going around performing miracles and some people say is the son of God. And so she's like, I believe that this guy is who he says he is. And I am just going to go touch the hem of his garment. That's going to be enough to heal me. So what I found out in writing the book and studying is that she would have probably been considered unclean in those days because of this illness and this bleeding, meaning she shouldn't have been around crowds, not been in the temple, not been in the marketplace. I mean, very isolated in her home, probably as a lot of folks felt this last year over the pandemic, um, you know, very lonely at times. But she goes and finds Jesus and she does that. She touches the garment, the hem of his garment, and all the gospels tell us she was immediately healed. She knew it. And Jesus knew, because he's God, that something had happened. And he turns around and one of the gospels says, who touched me? And I almost can hear the disciples laughing, sort of like the response is, everyone's touching you. You're in a crowd all right. the time. Everybody wants a piece of you right now. So he clearly knows who it is. And we're told she was, um, she fell down in front of him, trembling and afraid to confess the whole thing. 
And he says to her in all the accounts, the very first thing he says is daughter. He doesn't say, how dare you? You're unclean. You shouldn't even be in this crowd. How dare you touch me, this esteemed rabbi, the son of God? He doesn't say any of that. So he telegraphs his acceptance directly to her, but also to everybody who's watching that she did the right thing. And he says to her, your faith made you whole. And he sends her on her way. And, and I think what joy for not only this one woman, but for her to then be able to go tell her story, all these people who've known her for 12 years with this illness, every doctor that she's seen, everyone in her community, to say, oh my goodness, this person healed her. I mean, that was the purpose of a lot of the miracles was to show that Christ was divine. And so um, I love that he was so kind to her and just telegraphed complete acceptance of her, uh, even though what she did would have broken the norms of the day. Absolutely. And I, I really appreciate the part where it says, as she went, she was healed. So just to hear that compliment from Jesus to say, your faith has made you healed, because it was literally the touching of his garment following the instruction that she believed to touch him. Her faith activated when she touched his robe. And I thought that was so, so cool. And I think something that people can learn from today when you just believe God and you just follow his instructions, you'll get what you're requesting. Mm -hmm. and, and the thing is, his timing may not be ours. His answer may not be ours, but he's listening and he is going to answer ours. us. And a lot of times it's better than anything we could have dreamed up. Um, I've seen that in my own life. And I saw that in so many of these stories of these women that we include in the book. And, you know, my hope is that people who maybe are intimidated by the Bible or aren't people of faith, they'll still be inspired by these women and what they went through and to see their resilience and um, how they stood up with real courage in times of um, challenge and at, at the threat of their own lives in some of these cases. Um, but the fact is that some of them prayed and waited for years and decades, like I said, to see the answers. And they came about in a different way than these women would have thought, but an even better way. And we can trust that God is going to be always working for our good. Absolutely. Now, I'm, you know, men are usually the ones that are referenced in, in the Bible, the scripture, mostly outside of uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus or Eve is as another example. And you think about the women of the Bible. Is it something that men sometimes would think, oh, maybe I shouldn't get it. It's talking about the women of the Bible. What what can I get from this? Have you had any experiences with that from either men or people from other faiths beyond uh, Judaism and Christianity or atheists or, you know, non-believers that say, why would I want to read this book? This, this won't apply to me. Right. And, and let me start with the men, because the thing is, they'll have familiarity with a lot of these stories, because in many of these stories you've heard before, but probably primarily from the male point of view, like Abraham and Sarah, the foundation of all the world's you know most prominent, biggest faiths out there come through this family. But we've heard about Abraham a lot, and we do hear about Sarah. But in my book, I tell the story from Sarah's perspective. So you're getting um, just another angle on the same story you've probably heard or studied if you are a person of faith. I've had men say to me, I'm buying this for my daughters. We're going to read it together. Or I bought it for my wife um, and she's sharing it with me and now we're going through it together. So I don't think it's gender specific at all. 
well. And like I said, I do think even if you're not a person of faith, um, you know, I, I think there's so much there. The principles are the same about perseverance and, and about community and about finding strength in really difficult circumstances. So I've had a couple of Jewish people reach out to me to say, you know, I thought maybe this would only be from the perspective of the New Testament because you're a Christian, you're very open about your faith. But to me as a Christian, the Old Testament is the foundation of my faith. And so I've had Jewish believers say to me, I love that you included our stories and that Queen Esther and others that are so important to us from our faith traditions from the Old Testament are at least half of your book. So I think there's something for everybody if you're just looking for something positive and encouraging. We need to pause here for a quick break, but we'll be back shortly. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed... Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Now, let me ask you this question. In your, in your life, because you've had many examples of how your faith has worked for you. You're uh, clearly one of the most sought after individuals in news media and the network has been promoting you. You've done a great job. You, you're the chief legal correspondent, if I'm correct. And I believe that you are. You work on Supreme Court issues regularly and consistently when the, the court is open. Have you noticed um, any shift in terms of legally of people's rights is in terms of their religious faiths? being usurped and they have to take cases to the Supreme Court. I'm sure that happens all the time, but do you see more of that occurring now in this day and age? 
Yeah, we certainly did a lot during the the toughest lockdowns during the pandemic. There were several churches and, you know, synagogues and different faiths that actually joined together to go to the Supreme Court and say, um, you know, why can people fly around in planes or go to Costco or go to liquor stores or pet stores, but they can't go to church? And so, I mean, we saw cases out of New York and California and all over the country that ended up at the Supreme Court with the justices basically saying, listen, there can be times of enormous... um, distress and emergency in our country, but you can't suspend the Constitution forever. And you can't treat churches differently than you do non-religious organizations. If you're going to say, you know, there was a case out of California where these churches are saying, listen, if you're going to say strip clubs can be open during the pandemic, we are not going to close our doors. So, you know, the Supreme Court came down uh, in favor of a number of these religious groups saying, you've got to work out the accommodations. If casinos and other places are open, you have to find a way that you're not discriminating against worship places, houses of faith uh, in the same way. So we saw a lot of that during the pandemic. And we, you know, there's a case pending that we're waiting right now for at the Supreme Court too, which sets up something that's a very modern conversation about how you balance religious faith and freedom in this country um, against uh, the rights of LGBTQ and their community and anti-discrimination statutes. And, and this one case deals with Catholic charities groups oh, in Fulton Philadelphia. versus who, the city of Philadelphia. Yeah who, who um, work as a foster care placement uh, system for children in need. And um, because they are a Catholic church-based uh, group, they don't actively place children with same-sex couples. So there's a lawsuit over that now pending. Um, and I know that for the case and the record shows, there's never been a same-sex couple who's gone to Catholic charities to try to be part of the foster program and been turned away. So the case is based on something that hasn't actually happened yet. But I think that's going to be one of those very tricky places where the court's going to try to find this balance of respecting the rights of everyone involved. Can you find that balance? Um, And we'll get that case in a number of days. And so, um, yeah, I think there are a lot of important conversations on that space that are happening in the legal world. Now, we've seen in recent years that each nominee, each new nominee to the Supreme Court, it becomes a political circus. We saw that with Brett Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett, uh, which <laughs> they tried to really, really derail her nomination as well as Brett. Uh, why has the Supreme Court become such a politically explosive, explosive point of contention? Is it healthy for the republic? I think it's tricky because the justices themselves don't want to be viewed as partisan. They know that either a Republican or a Democrat president nominated them, but they very much want to be see uh, be seen as untethered from that. They have no obligations. They make no promises to any president who interviews them or considers them for nomination. And so you see them across the ideological spectrum. I think it's healthy to have justices, all nine of them across the board, different ones now speaking up and saying, um, you know, Justice Breyer, who's viewed as a part of the liberal wing, he comes from a Democratic nomination, President Clinton, to say this court is not political. We do not want to be viewed that way. We've heard the Chief Justice John Roberts, obviously a Republican nominee, say the same thing. We, as the court, are above that, separate from that, and we don't operate that way. They've, you know, many of them have said things that have indicated they're not happy about this talk of packing the court by Democrats and progressives who are really pushing that. So when you have even Stephen Breyer coming out as a Democratic, uh, democratically nominated nominee who votes primarily with the liberal wing to say, 
stop talking about packing the court. You're undermining uh, the institution and making it look political where we make every effort to not be political. And I think they genuinely do that. But I think because they're the highest court in the land, there's so much at stake for every seat that changes. And so right now, they're just like we saw with Justice Ginsburg. We're seeing a number of people step up on the left and write these articles and give these interviews saying it's time for Justice Breyer to go. And my experience has been that the more that happens with the justice, the more likely they dig their heels in and they don't want to leave. So it's really tricky. And, you know, one of the things we watch for is I'm now coming to the end of the term um, for the Supreme Court, which ends the end of June. We always watch for those retirement announcements and there are always rumors, but we haven't heard anything concrete from Justice Breyer. And I suspect the more the left calls for him to go, the longer he's going to stay. Yeah, likely. Now, what, what do you think about Mitch McConnell's latest statement saying that if the Republicans take over the Senate and he becomes the majority leader again, he's not going to allow any Joe Biden nominees to get a hearing? And that's clearly if someone were to retire at this point. Yeah, he says in election year 2024, uh, if that happens now, he'll say to you that that is consistent with what he did with the the open seat of Justice Scalia when there was an election coming and the Senate was in a different political party's hands than the White House. He says what's consistent is to wait for the election and let the voters tell you who they want to fill that seat. So it's really wonky. It's very nuanced. But he says that's been his consistent argument the whole time. And listen, he and President Trump, their lasting legacy, I think, will be the enormous number of federal judges they got seated to the bench during President Trump's year um, or his term that he Absolutely. had. So um, that is what Mitch McConnell is about. That's what President Trump was about, was getting those seats filled. So listen, I think it's tricky. Democrats are looking ahead to next year and knowing that 2022, you know, historically, it's not a good year for the party who's president holds the White House. So I think that the House is very much in play. I think the Senate less so. But again, um, you know, looking ahead to 2024, who knows what the political landscape is going to be. But Mitch McConnell says the statement he made this week is consistent with what he did (laughs) uh, in 2016. Now, (laughs) I want to I want to close out our interview by asking a couple questions uh, about you beyond Fox News and your best selling book. You spoken before about your eye condition that you may you had to endure extremely dry eye and how painful it was for you. You described waking up in the middle of the night and feeling like someone was literally stabbing your eyes. For our listeners who may not know, what was that experience like and what lessons, if any, that you learned from it? It was clearly the darkest part of my life. I'm I'm very open in my first book talking about that and how when you live with chronic pain, and I'm sure a number of people listening to this know what that's like, or they have someone they love who knows what that's like. Every day you're questioning, uh, how do I get through this day? And what is the purpose? I mean, if my whole life is going to be nothing but trying to survive excruciating pain every day of my life why should I go on living? And I was really asking myself those questions. And I went from doctor to doctor with this excruciating eye pain, finally, and I had gotten to a really dark place and just kind of had a breakdown with my husband. Like, I can't go on like this. I can't do this anymore. And when I, you know, log on to message boards for people who are suffering the way that I am with these same eye conditions, people are talking about suicide. And that doesn't sound crazy to me. It sounds like it would be a relief in some ways. And I knew in my head, even though I was exhausted and going through constant pain and emotionally exhausted, that that wasn't 
clear thinking. I knew that. And so leveling with my husband and having this conversation and deciding that I was going to start the, the hunt again for another doctor and praying that God would lead me to somebody. Listen, if you're not going to heal me, it may not be your plan. Please just lead me to somebody that can get me through this. And the very next day, I found the doctor who finally diagnosed me. And I always embarrass him when I see him. I'm like, you know, you're an answer to prayer. And he sort of like laughs a little bit uncomfortably like, okay, thanks. Um, But he really is. Um, And what he diagnosed me with was not only the dry eye that I was struggling with. And I I hate this because I know millions of people around the world struggle with this. But on top of that, I had a genetic condition in my corneas that is not curable. It's manageable, but there is no cure for it. So that was a blow when he told me that it was such a high to hear that he knew what I had finally, but you know, really difficult to hear that you're never going to be free of this. You're going to manage this the rest of your life. And with his help and God's grace, I have been able to get out of that chronic pain situation and found such relief and help where 95% of the time I'm doing amazing and I'm so grateful. So you ask about lessons and that's such a great question because a couple of things made me way more empathetic to other people because I would think sometimes at the gym when I'm on the treadmill or something and just can barely hang on, I'm like, I don't, you know, the person next to me has no idea what I'm struggling with. How do I know what they're struggling with? Maybe they are in depression. Maybe they are have lost someone they love. Maybe they're unemployed and terrified. I mean, you don't know what people are going through. It doesn't have to be physical. It can be mental and emotional. We're, we're all struggling with those things over the last year. So it's made me much more empathetic um, to other people's pain, which is a good place to be, to be humble and, and to care about other people. But it also gave me great hope and deepened my faith because there came a point where after I found out that there was no cure for this, that I was in my car just sobbing, having left the doctor's office and saying, God, how can this be? You know, I feel like this guy's my answer to prayer, but what do you mean there's no cure? And as I'm thinking, I just can't do it. Um, I felt him say to me, not out loud. I don't feel like I've ever heard God's voice out loud, although I believe, you know, people can. For me, my experience was sort of feeling him say in my spirit, but it was very clear saying, I will be with you. Those words, not I'm going to take you out of this or I'm going to heal it or it's all going to be rainbows and sunshine, but I'm going to be with you. And I think that's a truth that we can all claim whatever we're walking through, that he promises us to be with us in the best and worst of it. So I would never want to relive those years, but I learned a lot and I'm thankful for what I learned through them. Wow. Thank you for sharing that story. And it's so interesting. You mentioned your your husband, Sheldon, and I see you all's marriage. You will be married. I, I guess it'll be 30 years in a few years from now, like maybe three years. Yeah, from we now. just we celebrated our 25th in December. 25th. OK, so yeah. five years from now. <laughs> yeah. Looking Long time, to it. 25 years. Yeah, And you know what? We always say we are not perfect, but we're perfect for each other. And our faith is the foundation of what keeps us together. Like everyone who's been married for longer than five minutes, you've had an argument, you've had ups and downs, real world struggles and real crises um, in your marriage. And so we don't ever want to act like we've got it totally together and um, it's perfect bliss for 25 years. But we know that you can make it through tough things and I am his number one fan and I think he's mine too. And um, I think if you come from a place of where you're cheering for your spouse and you want the best for them, because listen, we're all born selfish beings. I think we come out of the womb that way and marriage really makes you fight that you have to want the other person's um, 
you know, benefit before your own. And if you're constantly trying to serve and care for each other, it's going to be a beautiful circle where you're taking care of each other. And it feels like a really nice place to kind of have shelter in your own home against the rest of the world, because you know, you have someone who has your back and you have theirs. And and that's, and I appreciate that. Thank you for, for um, sharing that. And as someone who's certainly looking to get married, uh, at some point in the in the future, maybe even the near future, who knows? The near future. And the near, I hope I, I, I would <laughs> love that. But you, for me, it's is you got to really beyond everything looking okay. If a person has you know all the things in which you desire in a mate, it's also this this instinct, this it factor that comes into play in my mind. And of course, I've never been married, so I don't really really know. But my question to you is. Is there, do you believe that there's that one person or is it maybe one person or uh, the one person at a particular time or is it just a one person God has created for you and there can't be any others? Yeah, that's such a good question. And I've wrestled with that because I can't imagine my life with anyone other than Sheldon. And I see how perfectly his strengths fit together with my weaknesses. And I think, gosh, God sent him to me for sure. But I do believe we have free will and God has all kinds of wonderful people out there created, you know, some people it's a gift of singleness and marriage is not for them. But I think for a lot of us, it is. And I think, you know, God can work through all of our decisions and hopefully we seek him and really, you know, try to get good counsel when you're looking at whether this is the one for you. So, I mean, I personally believe because of the path of my life and because of what a good fit and a wonderful, amazing person Sheldon is to me, I feel like he's my person, but I don't want people... <laughs> 25 years later, right, I'm glad to I don't, get that. I don't want people to feel like, oh gosh, there's only one person and if I miss him, I'm never getting married. Or if I you know, miss him, I'm going to marry the wrong person. Like, I don't know that that's the case. I just think in, in my case, I'm really grateful for the, the one person God did send into my path that I married. But I think there are a lot of amazing people out there. So I don't know if it's like, oh, if you don't get this one, then you've done everything wrong. You know, what? and I've been wrestling with that question myself. And I think to your point, and I love what you said, because it's what I've I've believed as well is you have free will and it can be something that's intended to be. But for that person, maybe they're not right there at that right moment and they have the free will to say no or not move on. And. God will place somebody else in your life. So I think that I think that's amazing. And I really appreciate you sharing that. And before we go, do you have any big projects coming up that the folks at home should know about? And where can they find you on social media and elsewhere? Well, you can find me at Shannon Bream on Facebook and Twitter and Insta. I drew the line at like TikTok. I'm like, I'm too old for that. That is not cool if I'm doing that. <laughs> um, all the way, I have an amazing assistant, Tessa, who is young and hip and knows how to work everything. Um, but the, I stick to those three pretty much. I'm pretty prolific on Twitter with news. Um, we, I've got something out on Fox Nation now, which is called Hero Dogs, which is a lot of fun. It's amazing stories about dogs that go into battle or they're police dogs or, you know, the dogs that went on the raid for bin Laden. I mean, we've got amazing stories where you see them with their handlers and the military men and women that they work with or the police officers they work with or the DEA drug officers. And that's just kind of a feel-good um, story. Those are on Fox Nation. They've just been released now. This, you know, the next couple of weeks are going to be crazy covering the Supreme Court. And I'm filling it for Brett and Martha and a lot of other people this summer as it gets busy. And of course, at midnight, we're there for Fox News at night on the East Coast, nine o'clock Pacific. And hopefully we'll see you there with us soon. Uh, I hope so, too. Thank you, Shannon Brain, for sharing with us today. We really appreciate your valuable insight. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. 
Thanks for listening to Newt's World. New episodes of my podcast, Out Loud with Gianno Caldwell, are available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen and subscribe for free. Newt's World is produced by Gingrich360 and iHeartMedia. Our executive producer is Debbie Myers, and our producer is Garn Z. Sloan, and our researcher is Rachel Peterson. The artwork for the show was created by Steve Penley. Special thanks to the team at Gingrich 360. If you've been enjoying New Twirl, I hope you go to Apple Podcasts and both rate us with five stars and give us a review so others can learn what it's all about. Right now, listeners of New Twirl can sign up for Newt's three free weekly columns at Gingrich360.com slash newsletter. I'm Gianno Caldwell. This is Newt's World. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.